you are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. I want to let you know today's episode brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Uh, Andy, a a bunch of stuff we want to get into today. We we talked a little bit about uh, an anniversary on Monday's show, a big Lakers anniversary, 19th anniversary of the three-peat team winning their third championship. we got another one that we want to talk about and link it to what's going on with the LeBron and AD Lakers today. Um, want to start into a little bit of a deep dive into the roster this year, who came through, who didn't, and uh, talk a little bit about what the Lakers might want to do going forward to some of these um, roster choices that they're going to have to make. But I want to start, Andy, with a little bit of news. Melissa Rowland of Fox Sports is reporting that Jason Kidd is going to interview for the Open Orlando Magic head coaching job. Um, it was, what, like last week? The week before? I, time still is meaningless to me. Where Jason Kidd was uh, named by Damian Lillard as a potential replacement for Dam- uh, uh, for the Terry Stotts yeah. uh, with the Blazers said no thank you um and now is is still a hot name on the market it appears andy that there's a very least a very good chance that jason kidd won't be back on frank vogel's staff next year yeah i mean jason kidd has been a hot commodity as a coach for quite a while i mean he made the leap from player to coach without any type of experience if memory serves, right after retirement. It was the year after he retired. And then so, he I mean, that he, didn't work, and then he ended up in Milwaukee, in Milwaukee. Right. I mean, he he's always been that guy in demand. He has tremendous respect around the league among players because of his playing career with with good reason. I mean, there, there's a lot that goes into Jason Kidd as a person that's going to be part of the discussion in this segment. But as a player – He's borderline untouchable in terms of his credentials, in terms sure. of what he accomplished on the floor, Hall of Fame, all championship, all of that stuff. And I think that buy-in that he will always have from players is something that organizations around the league will look at and say that papers over some of the other concerns, whether you're talking about character, whether you're talking about X's and O's, whether you're talking about how good of a coach is he actually you know, not, it, nobody, it, nobody totally knows. But here's the thing, though. It, it doesn't matter how good your coach is. If he doesn't have buy-in, you are not likely going anywhere. Yeah, And, it, and Jason like, Kidd will have buy-in. He, he will. And it, it, it's an interesting thing to look at because it, it is so hard to figure out who really is a great coach, particularly as a head coach, because your job as a head coach is very different than your job as an assistant. You know, you're not... To be honest, you're not as reliant necessarily on X's and O's. And you got a lot of guys, if you have a good staff, who can do that for you. That was never, you know, it's a bit of a, of a myth that Phil never drew up a play. But that wasn't Phil Jackson's primary value to the Lakers, was as a guy who could br- draw up a brilliant out-of-bounds play after a timeout. Um, you know, Kid has, Kid was name-checked by Damian Lillard as somebody he wanted to be the next coach of the Blazers. He's got... Buy-in from LeBron James. Frank Vogel at his exit interview spoke in glowing terms of, of Kid as a coach. I, it's not for me to say that he's 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 not a, a good coach, but I will say all that other stuff that you're talking about um, is 
is relevant. And I, as a as a person who covers the Lakers, and I think as as a Lakers fan, I would be happy that Jason Kidd getting hired somewhere else removes the possibility of of me as a fan having to play that sort of compartmentalizing game where you have to shove aside somebody's uh, darker parts in order to root for the team. I'd be happy for that because the Lakers are in a place right now where they don't necessarily need Jason Kidd, who, if you remember, Andy, was basically brought on as Frank Vogel insurance. <laughs> oh, it, look, he the reason that he was not made head coach of this team is exactly what you were talking about with the optics. It was very clear that the Lakers mm -hmm. were uncomfortable with the idea of hiring Jason Kidd with his past, with spousal abuse, with a fairly recent DUI, like the, all the different stuff that comes with Jason Kidd. He is, you know, again, he's very well respected among NBA players and peers. He also has a reputation around the league that maybe has softened over time of being, frankly, kind of a prick. If we're if yeah. we're really and, being and, honest, and as a co and as and from the coaching ranks as a backstabber, I mean, you yeah. know, I think the the yes. fact that he came through these two years. As an assistant, and Vogel said, doing all the assistant coach stuff and 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 but whatever it is, all not, accounts, not treated. Yeah, by all accounts, it has been smooth with Jason yes. with the Lakers. I, I have not heard a single report or whispering or anything about there being problems. Right, and, but, but to, to be fair, um, we also never really had the opportunity to find to the, the conditions were never there to test whether or not Jason sure. Kidd would do all the stuff that we were making jokes about when they hired him. No, absolutely. Quickly. But it kind of took all that would, off the table. But you would hear that. I mean, especially with <laughs> an organization that uh, is both as gossipy and attracts gossip the way the Lakers oh. do. If there were, if there was maneuvering behind the scenes with Kid, you know, like yeah, that was rampant enough, we, we'd hear I about agree. it. I, I, I will say, though, in terms of the idea from a Laker fan's perspective, Wanting, being happy that kid would be somewhere else, so you don't have to deal with the the baggage of him being a head coach. To me, I got to be honest. I understand what you're talking about. It's a cop out. I mean, it's not like Jason Kidd's oh, been on right. an internship. They've crossed that Rubicon like already. It is, and, but it, there, know, there, I think there is a difference though between a person being on staff and being nope. the 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 voice of not a team. I, I disagree with you about that. I, I, no, no, I, I'll also you, say this: you're so, either at peace with him being part of the organization which the Lakers were, or you're not. I, I, mean, I like, get that, but I'll even, uh, but in, in terms of your cop-out comment and putting it on myself, I will also say, I, I don't have a a good answer to what the what the line should be, what the rule should be about somebody like, I mean, this is a, a thing that's, it's documented in the case yes. of Kid. I mean, the, you know, with, with the, the espousal like, abuse issues and stuff like this is yes. not, it's not we, speculation. No, it is. This is absolute. Know. The, we know these things have happened. I remember and I wrote. I wrote about this for the Athletic um, when when we were writing for the Athletic more regularly, and also when uh, Kid was first brought in. And I wrote that I would not have brought in Jason Kidd. And mm -hmm. to me, it wasn't just the transgressions. It was what appeared to be like limited remorse for all this stuff, or the fact that it wasn't isolated, combined with all of right. the other stuff. But what I also pointed out, though, the absurdity of the way the Lakers went about basically trying to sneak Jason Kidd in through the back door, when mm -hmm. in reality he is higher profile than Frank Vogel. Like he's somebody that you are at least from the beginning going to pay more attention to. Yeah, they, the guy it, there was there was shield. that sort of element of no, 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 just don't don't mind. You, don't mind you this. can't hide 
you can't hide your willingness to have him on your staff Correct. to give him paychecks behind a title or the time spent before eventually promoting him. You are either at peace with this on some level, which by the way, is not the same thing as condoning it, but you no, are but it's on correct. some level at peace with it, or you are not. Because you know, these, thing, these things are complicated. Right. right. And, that's, and but we, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't have, I don't have a lot, like, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this is saying, okay, Brian, you don't, you don't want him on staff or okay, Andy, you don't think he should be on. Well, does he deserve to never have a job again? I no, not necessarily, but it doesn't mean I have to be the one that hires him. And I'll say this, like these are incredibly complicated yes. problems. And like, look, I mean, the Lakers will forever be tied uh, to the legacy of Kobe Bryant. And like there, Kobe has a, a moment in his history that is incredibly uncomfortable and awkward for people in Los Angeles to talk about. And it is, it is, it, nobody knows exactly what happened in there, but it is, you know, it seems clear something did. And it is uncomfortable and it is something that people don't want to. It, By so Kobe's I, own admission, his behavior in this situation, if not criminal, was unacceptable. This, so I this don't, is right. Kobe. And I don't know what to, to do with a lot of these things, where, you know, where a person should be excommunicated or where a person should be. Uh, welcome back or what is required and all of those. I do not have good answers about that. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It is to some degree a cop out to just be like, I'm glad somebody else has yeah. to worry about the, the, from a fandom standpoint, worry about kind of investing in a team that has it in the same way that Dodger fans were, many Dodger fans were, were upset at tr the Trevor Bauer signing. It's like, yes, you know, you just, you, you know you have to compartmentalize some, but you don't want to have that's, to do it. All that's the just time. life, man. It we is. have to do this stuff in sports. We have to do it in entertainment. You often have to do it with your family. I mean, the, yeah. the, the life is messy. And, um, and people are are complex and their histories are complex. And it is it is appropriate and um it's it's due that we have these conversations that we now have these conversations that doesn't necessarily mean we're better at answering the questions that come up i will say really quickly before we mm -hmm. move on that if jason kidd ends up hired by orlando or hired by any other team that could have a vacancy and like you said kid's a hot name i really hope the lakers bring in somebody who is a proven offensive mind like you hear terry stotts's name tossed around if not literally terry stotts Somebody like him, because the last few years under Frank Vogel, even with the defense being as great as it was, even with the championship, the offense needs goosing. Like well, it, but to your point, they don't. Know, but they have a lot more flexibility now than they did then, because again, kid was hired as Vogel Insurance. They don't sure. need Vogel Insurance anymore. Sure. Frank Vogel's, barring something weird, is going to be the the coach for the next three or four or five years. So you can get a guy who is an assistant coach, not somebody who's seen as like the next head coach, not a former head coach and waiting, whatever it is, you can get a guy who's one of these, you know, well-respected career assistants yeah. um, to come and do that. And the so Lakers have a lot more flexibility. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That, that option is there. Um, next, let's take a look at the, uh, the two, the anniversary of the 2009 championship team, because there is some stuff with that team, the back-to-back -back group um, that is, is relevant, I think for, the conversations that we have around the Lakers. We'll do that next. Um, want to tell you, though, that the uh, as we, we pointed out, this, this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Andy, 
Jordan Clarkson, former Laker. One of the kids. That's right. Shouting out to Jordan Clarkson. He's shooting over 50% in the conference semifinals against the Clippers uh, through the first three games. And also, Andy, he paid to restore a Filipino, Filipino food truck yeah. in Salt Lake City that had been vandalized with anti-Asian messages. Clarkson is himself Filipino, so this was, was certainly a personal uh, gesture from him. So good work on all fronts from Jordan Clarkson, who, as we all know, plays with tremendous joy. Oh, on yes, the court, I am having a lot of fun watching him. Um, this course only <laughs> worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. That um, and getting buckets for Jordan. Oh my god, yeah. He, he really likes shooting the basketball. Um, yes, he does. so Andy, the uh the Lakers 2009 anniversary of the 2009 championship team is Monday. Is that what it yes. is? Yeah, it was yesterday. Um when you go, when you kind of think back to that team, what sticks out to you? Because we covered that group. Yeah, yeah. The thing that always stays with me the most was just how intense that season was. Like that that group had come off that disappointing finals, you know, and there had been so much emotion leading up to that. Because remember, the entire off season leading up to that year, Kobe had been demanding a trade. That was when he was going on the radio tour. That's when. He was in the parking lot when the Randos filmed him saying that Andrew Bynum's ass. Right. You're, you're talking about for, the, the, where they got to the, where the, where yes. they got to the finals and lost. Right. Yeah. So there was so much, yeah, there was so much leading up to mm -hmm. that finals. And, and it felt like everything was really moving in the Lakers' direction. The Lakers had been favored in that finals. I'm pretty sure you and I both predicted the Lakers would win. And they didn't just lose. They got their asses handed to them. In game six, they lost by 39 points. I was in Boston when that happened. I've never seen a locker room like that afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like where it was, the loss was so devastating and so emasculating and so just destructive. You didn't even know what to ask guys. Particularly, particularly in terms of for reputationally to somebody yes. like Gasol. Yes, uh, for Lamar Odom, for yeah. Kobe in some ways, mm -hmm. like for everybody involved. And that year, I remember you and I used to talk about it all the time, like, my God, this locker room is edgy, man. Like, people were cooperative. Like, nobody were jerks to us. No, but it was, there, man, was, no, it was, there was no joy. I mean, this we like, you go back and you look at last year's title team. That was a fun team to be around. It was, oh, yeah. again, very serious, very workmanlike, very businesslike, a hard hat group, as, as they say, Andy. But they also had fun. It was a group that clearly enjoyed the process, being around each other, all that stuff. LeBron um, was always playing DJ or yeah, JaVale was always stuff. playing DJ. And, you know, obviously the COVID changed things and the bubble sure. tested. Some, but but th that was the nature of that group. That 2008-2009 team was no fun. No. Um, and what, what I always try to figure out, because, you know, the, the DNA of these teams is always different. Different leaderships, different eras, different opponents, different rules, different everything. Where are the similarities? Like I look at it and you, you talk about that loss in 2008. That was a specific kind of loss um, that led to a lot of questions. It's different than how the Lakers went out this year. But I don't think, I, th I do think there are some parallels to those questions. You know, the, 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 the questioning of Anthony Davis again as a, uh, as a superstar who can really bring it, you know, like who can stay healthy enough to do it, who can do all that stuff and show up when needed. It's gone to, from his play, which he proved last year now to his health. LeBron, older, 
less bulletproof than he used to be. I, I wonder if there will be some kind of similarity to the very palpable and intense motivation that we see when training camp opens next year, similar to what the 2008-2019 had coming off of that Celtics final. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. And a reminder, today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little more this season. I mean, you know what that, I'm getting at? It's not the no, same I, thing. I, I was going to say. That was the, a pretty, but it, you know, again, they got bounced in the first round as defending champions in a series that wasn't that close. They were extenuating right, circumstances, but, but, but it wasn't that here's, close. Here's the difference, though. Mm -hmm. The extenuating circumstances with this year getting bounced in the first round were really extreme. Yeah. I mean, you you talk about the shortest offseason in NBA history. I, I think it actually may be the shortest offseason in like big four sports history. So you're talking about that type of scenario where you have to re-enter the season and this being a real grind of a season for all the teams, just some of them had an easier time dealing with it than others just because they didn't have to deal with the as quick a turnaround as the Lakers. And the circumstances being so extreme once the playoff rolled around with AD being in and out of the lineup, LeBron clearly not being himself, guys like KCP getting hurt, Alex Caruso getting hurt, and the fact that the Lakers have won a championship with this core. The, the group that went to the finals in 2008 and got killed, the only guys who had championships were Kobe and Fish. So most of that group still had something to prove yep. that I don't think these guys necessarily do. Like You don't want to make excuses, but in this particular case, there are legitimate explanations that, that go into explaining why things ended as quickly as they did. And, and as I guess, maybe you'd want to say as one-sided as it did. You know, they're, they're never going to fall back entirely on that. But at the same time, you're not talking out of your ass by saying, look, if Anthony Davis and LeBron are themselves, this series is no at minimum I, against the Lakers. Different. The Lakers would, I, I don't care. I know Phoenix is just, they just swept, uh, you know, a shorthanded, but still good Denver. They're really they, good. And they and they they didn't. It wasn't like four tight games. <laughs> they beat the crap out of them. Um, and so I think they are playing better now than they were at the beginning of the playoffs against the Lakers. But I still think that if if AD was healthy, they're up two one. They very well could have come back in game four and gone up three one. I think they win the series. Um, what what fascinates me about AD? Because let's let's be honest. In the same in the same way that. When you talk about the Lakers back then, almost every question seemed to be kind of a a backdoor way of talking about whether or not Powell can hack it, um, or Lamar, or Lamar, but more Powell because he was the the two, um, sure. and Lamar was the three. And I but think the two, some, but the two of them got bullied around yes, so much. Absolutely, I just said there was a there was a certain I think degree of eccentricity, well, was consistency seen. that was sort of baked into Lamar Odom at that point. Um, but I, I think with with AD, it's going to be really fascinating next year to see what he comes in as in terms of a regular season guy. When you look back on it this year, I think we all, especially as somebody who drafted him in the first round of his fantasy draft, Nobody all cares, under. I, I care. <laughs> How'd you end up doing, by the way? Third. I finished third. Okay. Right, well, not so I, I, I'm not allowed to talk about based on who is in the league um, whether or not I won money, but okay. Um, so, you know, if AD, 
you know, he 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 came in this year and he was reasons to to expect him though um does he come in next year as jared dudley kind of suggested as the man both as a leader but also as a bringing it every night player coming in off of a an off season where he's heard a lot of talk and um you know is is in a place where he had a full off season to get healthy and has something to prove i am i am fascinated to see what next year looks like for him because Good God, you know, 75 games of him playing as he did in the finals would be staggering fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, he it will it will be really interesting to see if he actually is capable of doing that yep. with the type of I, I think both of us underestimated the effect that that offseason would have on Absolutely. him. Absolutely. In part, in part because of the quick turnaround, but also, and I'll admit this is the specific reason that I had forgotten about this is Anthony Davis had never been on that long of a playoff run in his whole career. I mean, you know, he'd only been in the playoffs with the Pelicans a couple times and, you know, he'd gone a couple rounds, one of them. Yeah, I the, one, the one time they beat, they upset Portland. That was the big right. um, sort of playoff coming right. out party for AD, but generally they were Pelicans, right. not so, Pelicans. <laughs> so by and large, like he, he had never had to go through this again. I think it's one of the reasons why, counter to what we expected LeBron was able to until that thing with Solomon Hill he was really able to come out of the gates really strong he's just, he's, but he's also too he's just he LeBron you know AD is much more like every other player in the league right meaning yeah. he gets hurt <laughs> like, right he that's the norm he gets hurt a little more than other people do and, and he always looks like he's about to get hurt way more than everybody in the league but you know we talked about like we spent some of Monday's show talking about how Lonzo Ball hasn't played 75 games or even 70 games in his entire career. And, you know, and he's 25 years old or whatever it is. So, like, th this happens. Oh, so, I mean, this is something we'll obviously be watching over the course of the offseason. Um, the Lakers do need to remake uh, their roster in a lot of ways. Um, one of the big differences in last year's roster versus this year's was the mileage they got out of the back end of it. Um, we're going to take a kind of a deep dive into different players across the roster, um, starting today with some of those back end guys, and we'll do it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week, as always, tons of sports action on the go. Get all the latest news, odds, info for your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA. I'm starting to actually look at the MLB standings again. Um, once there, June rolls around, then you start looking. You don't yeah. look until June. There's some teams like, wow, they're still in the league. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on Did your you laptop. Know there's a Minnesota Twins. Good for them. Plucky little know state. There, I didn't even know there was a Minnesota. Uh, check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, the contest information. <laughs> that, that is true. That's that's not a believable joke for me. Everybody no. knows uh, my, my worship of all things Prince, but. Whatever. Don't sit on sidelines anymore. This is your Stand chance to get in. in Arkansas. That's, that's an true. Eminently, that's an eminently missable state. Yeah, I was one Wyoming away from a punchline <laughs> that just paid off. Uh, yeah, as your teams are neck deep in the playoffs, head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on all, on, excuse me, on your first deposit, promo code locked on, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Uh, Rock Auto, also a sponsor of the Locked on Lakers podcast. Um, some people are car guys. Some people are like me. They're not car guys. Um, you still want to be able to do stuff on your car that may not be super complicated. You don't want to walk into a store and have some guy start you know, shaking your confidence, telling you, oh, no, 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 you don't want to buy that, or steering you to products, Andy, that may not be best for what you need, because that happens to be what he's got in his warehouse or the stuff that he wants to offload. Rock Auto, they're not going to do that for you. You got a computer in your pocket. It's called your cell phone. You might have a computer at your home. It's called a computer. Um, you get on it and you log on to rockauto.com chain stores. They've got different price tiers for professional mechanics and do it yourselfers. Don't mess with that nonsense. Rock Auto's prices are the same for everyone, 20, 30, even 50% lower than chain, uh, stores or a new car dealership. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked in on their How did you hear about us box? so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, let's start this conversation about the roster with, and I, I talked about it as, Andy, kind of back end of the roster guys, mm -hmm. but we have three different people here, all of whom kind of qualify in the end as back end roster people, but come at it from very different directions. Ben McLemore, Jared Dudley and Markeith Morris. Uh, Keith buyout candidate last year. They brought him in, didn't do much in the uh, regular season, but was great uh, in the playoffs. Ben McLemore brought in as a buyout candidate this year, had a couple opportunities and certainly was fun to watch and make jokes about sometimes, but ultimately was not a consequential player. And Jared Dudley, who barely touched the floor this year after, and he was kind of brought back almost like as a, what, like a player emeritus? Like, I'm not totally sure like what his gig was, other he's than to kind of he was so good from a chemistry standpoint that he's there, Udonis has there. Yes. When you look at these guys collectively, three players who ultimately were not helpful for the Lakers winning a title that took up three pretty valuable roster spots. How do you evaluate what they did or really more what they didn't do? Well, uh, let's start with Keith because I think of the three, he was the one that was projected to be most sure. important. Absolutely. And, and I remember when you and I were still hosting Lando Lakers, we did a podcast and one of the topics was whether the Lakers should prioritize bringing back Keith or Dwight Howard if they could only bring back one. And I said Keith because of the versatility that he offered the team and you know, with Frank Vogel looking to play, as I called a medium ball. And like you said, there's no doubt that he was a critical part of that success in the bubble and winning a championship. He played pretty well, and I, I think you actually agreed with me on this, and I was wrong. I don't remember. What's the right answer? Was the right <laughs> answer they should have brought back Dwight? Because if so, then I think that's what I said. Well, here's the thing. I was wrong about this, and Dwight would have been more useful, but that's not even really the reason that I was wrong. The reason I was wrong is Keith ended up so much on the periphery, like other than a stretch in March when a lot of guys were out, and he actually played really well. He averaged 10 and 6, 47% from the field, almost 42% from behind the arc. He wasn't really that effective. He wasn't the same wheel greaser or little things player that he'd been in the bubble, his limitations mm -hmm. sort of coming through. And what stood out to me most with Markeith thinking about this is just it's a reminder that not everything can be replicated year to year. Yes. And sometimes if things feel like outliers or anomalies, it might be because they are. And, and yeah, and, and I think that was the as, case. As, as I noted, he was wretched 
in the regular season, and he wasn't particularly good in the, in the bubble, you know, prep games. He just was excellent in the playoffs. And I think when you start to break down uh, the the contrast here, the he wasn't significant. He was worse in the regular season this year, even compared to last year's pretty bad numbers um, in 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 his limited play in the regular season. Where it really stands out, though, this year is the difference between his performance in the playoffs versus his performance yes. um in 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 the regular season and you know you go through it and you know he shot 44% last year in or 45% I should say last year in the playoffs 42% from three point range this year it was 22% from the field uh, and 25% from three you know just every true shooting obviously goes down all the efficiency, all that stuff went away completely. And when I think about it, it's, I don't know what the alternative necessarily was. And this, it gets to Ben McLemore. It gets to Jared Dudley. The Lakers are in a spot, and this is the challenge, uh, I think, for Vogel. They're in a really difficult spot in terms of filling out these, these roster positions, which we learned this year really are important. It matters who you're ninth, 10th, 11th guy is, because while you're not playing them all the time, you do need to be able to get real minutes out of them when they play. And last year they did, whether it was Dudley. Dudley, gave, Dudley shot like 44% right. three-point range last year. He made, Quinn Cook played well when he played. Troy yeah, Daniels played, played well, pretty when, he well played. when he played. Like, and it's like you don't want to lean on Dudley. He shot 43% last year from three. You're not leaning on him to be great when he plays. He averaged a point and a half a game. Well, let's, I'm not trying to fluff him up here. But like... He was he was competent. You could put him in for eight minutes a game, the 45 games that he played, and he would be competent. This year, he didn't play, in part because he was hurt, but also because the effectiveness went down, the shooting went down. He shot 22% this year from three. It's a big difference. Um, you know, Ben McLemore proved himself when you played serious games where teams could really pay attention to him to not be particularly useful, which is why he was available. And this gets to the, the problem that they have. You talk about needing offense, um, which is true. They need more skilled players. They have very limited means to find it. And trying to do that in the Markeith Morris salary slot, because I don't think Keith will be back next year, is not going to be an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's it's tough. Or I mean, Jared Dudley or Ben McLemore. Like, right. You I mean, these, only these, get to choose flawed players. Yeah, I mean, these are all league minimum type guys. I mean, you can make the argument that you could do worse than Markeith Morris on a on a minimum. And he, to be fair to Markeith or just present the entire story, he, by all accounts, was very good in the locker room. He was very good at this is, saying, it's, not a, it's not personal. No, no, no. I just I just for people who sure. may not know this, he, you know, he was known for an ability to speak up at times when it was really important, you know, and veteran presences like that matter. It's just a question of whether or not you could do better. Or like in the case of someone like Jared Dudley, who I said before, he's like their unit Udonis Haslam. And you know, this comes up with with Haslam, like the idea of does do the heat are they you better could, served keeping him on staff have, versus making him yeah, just an assistant him or something right. like that? And the yeah. argument for keeping him on the roster is there's a certain weight that – and Jared Dudley's talked about this. There's a certain weight that players carry when they are on the roster mm -hmm. that even as the same guy on the staff, it just doesn't register the same. You can carry, though, one of those guys. Right. Maybe you can carry two of those guys. But the Lakers had Costas – who you know was there to entice Giannis and didn't right. work. No, and probably won't be back. Uh, K. Cock, who showed you know like looks like he could be a competent NBA player, but you know wasn't somebody you could put out on the floor. 
they had McKinney, who did okay, um, but like McKinney was much more like what you would expect out of like sort of the the end of the roster guy, kind of like Dudley was last well, year. McKinney was also when they brought him over, there were question. I mean, really, the reason that he was he was kept and whoever else it was, I don't remember who came over in that Javale McGee trade wasn't uh wasn't kept he was waived whoever it was i mean a lot of it just had to do with contracts and stuff like that right. and, I mean, like he he fits into that like more like last year where like oh we don't want to play this guy a lot but like troy daniels or quinn cook when you put him out on the floor there were moments you're like oh okay that's pretty good like he gave us some good minutes like they, they need more of that guy where they got nothing from dudley they got um really not much from markeith morrison in, in a in an important roster spot like that was a, a place where they expected yes. somebody to play um, and you know the 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 buyout opportunity that they got from Macklemore didn't work. Well, they just they had too much dead space on the roster, and I don't know exactly. I mean, sort of my final comment on this is I don't know exactly how Rob Polinka fixes that because they've got more limited means this year than last. It might have to come through a trade. It might have to come. You know, whether maybe the, the 22nd pick in the draft. I don't know what it is, but they have to find more usable depth next year than they had this year. Well, I think one lesson that you can learn from Macklemore specifically, beyond what you're talking about in terms of just finding players who better fill out the back end of the rotation, is Macklemore was brought in to be a shooter. And at times he shot well. And we had some games where he, you know, he went on crazy rolls and would start filling it up. But if he's not hitting shots, he brings quite literally nothing, nothing else to the table. He is a god-awful defender. The one time in the playoffs, he attempted like a pump fake drive pass. Did Absolute work. disaster. But, <laughs> the other, but the other reminder about somebody like Macklemore beyond you know the limitations that come with a one-dimensional player is there was only so much he could fix the shooting by himself. Like you, you need somebody, you need more shooters in order to make somebody like Ben Mclemore with his shooting actually his, more dangerous. Yeah, because like, you need you need you need somebody like you know who is it was a capable of it was capable of starting. Like New York got mileage out of starting Reggie Bullock. He's he's, a, he's as we've said, he's a grown up version. He's he's Ben Mclemore for grown ups. Right. Like, is but, he a great starter? No, but he's competent enough that you can put him. So he's you always have shooting there i was so gonna say you always need, have to you honor need, you need more grown-up ben mclemore's next to the actual immature ben mclemore right. in order to get the best out of immature ben McLemore. i would say in lieu of um but anyway we'll or, or, it's, or the it's ben mclemore type yeah it's a good way to uh to start the the looking at the roster is kind of understanding the importance of these end of roster spots something we'll get into a lot as we continue breaking down the roster I want to remind everybody that uh you can subscribe to locked on lakers on youtube and get a bunch of stuff including some web only extras um from interviews that we'll be doing we got one coming up in tomorrow's episode with the great mo de keel uh yeah. always a favorite of ours and a favorite of yours if you follow the nda on twitter everybody um, so loves mo everybody loves mo that is actually true that is not no, is uh, really hyperbole. True. i don't know anybody who doesn't love mo and if you don't love mo it's probably you who is the problem so um We'll definitely make sure we have some some YouTube stuff that goes up off of that interview, uh, as well as everything we do for the podcast. We've got some other things lined up, and so you'll definitely want to subscribe to that. Reminder, Locker Room, Fridays at noon Pacific. Talk to us um, about the Lakers or anything else, I guess, that's on your mind, and we will see everybody on Wednesday.